Welcome to Beyond the Shire. My name is Jack Wolf. For today's journey, we'll continue on with The Conspiracy Continues. We've been talking about this one conspiracy that is true, that has been affecting mankind ever since the beginning of time. What does the Christmas story have to do with this conspiracy? Let me ask you a question. Which one of these environments sound most compelling for people to live in? And why is it that we see such a difference? What about this environment? Living in with immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, division, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. Is this how we were created to live? Do we notice these environments? Do we see them and understand them? And, and have we experienced them? I'm, I know we have because we're all human beings. On some on level, we give in to these things. The other day, I picked up the newspaper. The headlines in the local paper, two family members got into a physical fight in the backyard at a Christmas party. The fight moved to the street at some point in this argument, and one of the men got in his truck and hit the other man who was standing in the street before fleeing the scene. That man died in the hospital, a family member. Division, anger, rage. What is it that fuels this and what can we do about it? How about this environment to live in? One of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the very attributes and the very nature of God himself. And he designed us to live in that environment. Now, we know that Lucifer was an angel who wanted to be worshipped and served. And rather than really submitting to God and being who God created him to be, he rose up against God and there was an uprising that took place in the heavenly realms and God, who created all things, including angels, because of this uprising, banished Lucifer from God's kingdom. And they would later be categorized as fallen angels. When Lucifer was leading the charge, he set out to destroy what God has created. And his aim has always been from that day to go after God's prized possession, man, who has created in God's image. The angels are not created in his image. We are. Now, we've discussed this in previous podcasts, the interaction of the fall of man, and you can certainly go back and review it, and I encourage you to do so. Man was fallen, and God put a plan together to redeem the choices that man made, to follow their own human nature, to follow the lies of the enemy, and become selfish and self-centered instead of who God really made them to be, and not follow the ways of the Father. Maybe you've heard this term before, human nature or sin nature. It's a nature not like God's. Now, we have God's nature, but that nature has been darkened and broken. That sin nature was activated when Adam and Eve decided to listen to the enemy and go against the nature that God had put within him to follow him. And now the nature of man has, again, I've made it to this point, is broken. God wanted to fix that. And the choice was made that basically says this is what Adam, I want my own nature to rule me. I do not want God's nature to rule me. 
If I go back to that list and if you look into the Bible and discover what God's nature is like, man, I, I don't know who doesn't want that. But we struggle to do it on our own. We need God's nature in us, which we'll talk about in maybe upcoming podcast. But God, of course, allowed this all to happen because he did not create robots who were programmed to respond to him as he pleased. Whether he wanted mankind to want to make the choice to be governed by God, our creator. If the creator made us, then he knows what's best for us. He knows how we're made, how we're wired, and he wants to enjoy a relationship with us. God wanted mankind to enjoy not just the amazing world that he made, which is unbelievable, but he wanted to be in relationship with, the, with, with mankind, with all of us. And we know the enemy was involved with man to give him that deception that he could have it all without God. That why would he have to listen to God who made them? And that lie that the enemy, that the Adam and Eve listened to has effect, been affecting us uh, from the, again, from the beginning of time, because the father had already given them all things plus a relationship with him. The Bible tells us that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. What must that have been like? As you look out on the world that we have that blows our minds, if we could meet the creator who made this all, what would that be like? It will be amazing. And we have his presence with us. We may not see him tangibly, but we have an expression of who he is. Now, interesting enough, the enemy, Lucifer, has been on a mission to destroy mankind ever since he was banished from God's presence. And he wants everyone to join in on what his lies are. But of course, they were wrong, very wrong when they made those decisions. And we've been suffering the consequences since that decision was made. It's interesting that Jesus came in the flesh, and the Bible uses the term the second Adam. Jesus was fully God and also fully man. He was not a fake man. He was a man just like Adam in every way. Jesus had to mature like any human being, just like you and I, and go through every struggle that every human faced, just like you and I. That means Jesus had to be potty trained. He skinned his knees. He went through puberty. He became an adult man. And here's what the Bible tells us, that he was tempted in every way, and yet he did not sin. He never gave in to the human nature that was opposed to God's ways, and he certainly could have, because that nature existed within Jesus. He was born of the Spirit, but he was also birthed in Mary's womb, and that nature was there, but it had to be beaten. And Jesus was that second Adam that was chosen to see, could he beat, could he stand, and could he redeem what man has broken? We read the story of the Christmas uh, in the Bible all the time. And actually, that story that we read in the Bible is nothing like our Christmas cards with a little gentle Jesus laying in a manger and, and these beautiful pictures, and those are great. We have Jesus who was born, and all the prophetic words that were written hundreds of years before his birth— it was foretold that he would be born. It was foretold that he would be the Messiah, that he would be the Savior of the world, and that the government would rest on his shoulders, that he would defeat the powers of darkness that deceived Adam and Eve, and that he would redeem mankind by giving his life that we might have life. 
It's interesting in this story, we have, we have King Herod who was interested in this one called the King of the Jews when he heard the stories and he wanted to go worship him, which is actually not true at all. He wanted to kill him and he tricked the Magi. Uh, the Magi actually tricked him. I'm sorry about where, letting him know where Jesus was. And when Herod found out that they were tricked by the Magi, he was so angry that the Bible says that all the boys in Bethlehem in the area were killed. He was doing this in hopes of maybe killing Jesus. If we fast forward in this battle between the flesh and the spirit, between Lucifer and God's real plans for each of us, we see something completely different. We have, just like Eve in the garden was deceived by the enemy, Jesus also appears in the garden and Lucifer appears to him. And let me read this to you. Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now the tempter, Lucifer, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him this, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I have given you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. I want to point something out that maybe is easy to overlook and how it really connects with this amazing Christmas story that we're actually in. In the garden of Eden, Lucifer deceived Adam and Eve and got them to go against what God had already given them and convinced them that God was holding out and got them to give in to their own human nature, their own selfish desires. It's in another garden that Jesus comes face to face with Lucifer and Lucifer tries to trick the second Adam as well, as the Bible calls him, because Jesus is going to do what Adam and Eve did not do and failed to do. Let me point out something here that we need to know and understand, that Lucifer was a created being, and Lucifer is not all-knowing. He does not have all knowledge. He does not have all power. He does not have all understanding. He's a limited creature because only what God would have allowed him to have when he created uh, Lucifer. So Lucifer doesn't really know um, who Jesus maybe really is. Maybe he's heard about the prophecies that were stated. He's got some understanding of it, but does he really know what God's power could really do? That he, is he really, quote unquote, God in the flesh? And Jesus uh, is tempted in the garden. Lucifer is trying to do everything he can. He may, maybe he is, you know, just in case. I want to try to deceive him. And Jesus would not be deceived. He was going to go God's way. What if Jesus had made that choice to give in 
Because Lucifer said, you can have all of this if you just bow down and worship me. Uh But Jesus says, no, no, no. We live by God's word. And God's got all these promises. I'm going to go his direction. When we look in the Bible, we see Jesus doing many miracles, healing people of all manners of disease. He raised the dead. He did this to make sure that everyone understood that this is what his kingdom is like. In his kingdom, there is no sickness or disease. In his kingdom, there is no death. Even death was not going to be able to hold a person when he, he modeled this by raising people from the dead. Think of all these examples, everything that he did. To, to show this is what God's kingdom is like. This is, yes, we're going to struggle here, but this future life, this eternal life, this is what is, uh, is coming down the road. He wanted us to see and experience and have the taste of his kingdom. What does it take to live in that kingdom now? Right now. And not just now, but in eternity. Friends, this message of Jesus giving his life so that we could be forgiven is not so we could just confess a sin and to ease our guilty conscience because we're, you know, we've missed the mark in some way. It's much larger than that. This is about having a relationship with God himself, about the nature of Christ coming in, the spirit being alive in us and making that decision to say, Jesus, son of God, I want you to be the ruler of my life. Spirit, I ask your nature to come inside and be my king. You're my friend. You're the one who's closer than a brother. They want to inv- I want to invite you. This Christmas message is, is, is so powerful. It's a battle that's going on, this Christmas message. It's the battle between the powers of God and the powers of darkness. And can I tell you, I guess you already know, but the power of God wins. It beats the powers of darkness. He could not, uh, he could not hold Jesus in that tomb. He rose again. And beat the powers of darkness. And now the promises are there that if we'll give our lives to him and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to rule and reign in me. And I know that not just the hopes in this life, but in the life to come are true because you've proven it out. You've lived it out. Forgiveness is a part of the story. Yes, but he wants you to sell out to him. He wants you and his family. He wants you on the team. He, he has plans for you and friends. He needs you to join in the battle as well. As we wrestle not against flesh and blood, as I've mentioned earlier, but greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. We have a choice on the voices we listen to. When I think back to that article that I read in the paper of a family member, what was going on that that these two men would argue as a family that led somebody to get in their car and drive over and kill another family member? This is not what God has planned for us. The enemy rejoices, but God's heart is broken, and he's doing everything he can to say, come unto me, all you who are weary, all you who are broken, come to me. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have power that's greater than any other power in the world, for I made this whole place that we live in, and I love you, and I have a heart for you, and fear not, for I am with you, he says. I'll be with you always. And greater is he, I said it, than he, greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. That's speaking about Lucifer. Yeah, there's, there's power uh, that, that, he, that he's been allowed to have. But Jesus came to break that power, and he won over that power, and he's defeated that once and for all. The enemy had no idea what would happen, but we know what happened. He rose again, came out of that grave. And boy, when the disciples saw him, they rejoiced, and they knew it was true. That's why they served him so heartedly. 
Friends, the battle has been won by Jesus Christ, and we experience that power when we give our hearts to him. And that we join him as well in the battle. We wrestle, we stand up, we exalt his name. We will not be a party to the lies of the enemy because Jesus in the garden told the enemy, not going to be there. You know what? You can do the same thing. Say, enemy, I have no, you have no part of me. I want God's power lives within me. I've invited his life. And if you've not, you should. You should ask him to come into your life, be a part of your life. Let his spirit, his nature rise up within you. You know what? This week, I've struggled with things personally where I could tell that that's the, that's the enemy lying to me. And you know what I do? I go to the Lord and say, Father, you know, uh, your spirit lives within me. That spirit is more powerful than any other spirit in the world. And I want to submit to you. Help me, Lord. And he does over and over and over and over again. I want you to have hope, not just for today, not just this Christmas season. I want you to have hope for the future. God wants to be a part of your life. He loves you so much. He gave his life for you. He rose again for you. He's modeled it for you. My goodness, what he, what he has for us. Yes, the world's broken, but he's come to help us in that brokenness, to not just survive, but thrive and look forward to all he has for us in the days to come, in the future, in eternity. Thank you, Lord, for this Christmas message. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. Bless every household. Help people stand against the lies. Help them to embrace the truth and the love and the grace that you have for each and every one of us. We love you. I pray your blessings over your household, over your family as you celebrate, as you move forward. We'll be talking about this a little bit more in the days to come. I know this was a little longer podcast than normal, but I want you all to have a very, very uh, Merry Christmas and look forward to the new year. God bless you. We'll see you next time.